Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. We're already lit. I'm Doug. I'm Joe. Got a great cigar in our hands. Yeah. What I'm excited about, mainly, I'm excited about all these because I've smoked them before. But um, we got in our hands today another one of the Kristoff series, and Joe is going to tell you a little bit about what it is. I know what it is. He's going to read to you the details. It's the Kristoff Criollo, which is kind of... Might just sort of be their standard cigar. Really? So this is like the flagship? <clears throat> kind of. Flagship of the Kristoff line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. It's not the last one in the series, though. Oh, We've got a few heck more. Heck no, we do. got yeah. probably four or five more. Right on, right on. Well, I'll read the description here. It says the Kristoff Criollo is made in the Dominican Republic, utilizing a dark Nicaraguan Habano Criollo wrapper, a Cuban seed Dominican binder in an all-Cuban seed blend of Dominican and Nicaraguan long fillers. The result is a medium-bodied smoke. It burns slow <coughs> and true. And then it goes on to describe the flavors, which we never do on the front right. end. We'll do that at the end. Oh, actually it doesn't. It says, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, I short-circuited okay. myself. Okay. It says, uh, it burns slow and true, dishing out a cool, extremely smooth flavor with each puff. Do you feel cool? I feel cool already. <laughs> How can you not feel cool if you have a good cigar in your hand? Uh, I mean, if it was a Swisher grape, I might not feel cool. <laughs> true story. So True story. So anyway, um, had a pretty good week. You? Yeah, I had, I've had a great week so far. Did some traveling. We uh, I had a sit on a camp of, uh, or I sit on a board of a, camp out in southern Colorado, so I was out there this weekend, so did a little bit of traveling, and that's always exciting and fun, right? Kind of doing the jet, the jet setter thing, whatever. Cool. Kind of fun. Makes me feel like somebody I'm not when I'm, you know, flying into, flying into Colorado fly for the in, weekend, and out. then, yeah, yeah <clears throat> I get go it. to a few meetings and then fly back. It's, <laughs> it's not usually part of my life, but it was. You wear a tie? I didn't. It <laughs> seems like you should. Not that kind of, okay. not that formal of a thing, I guess. Because it's because it's a Rocky Mountain camp type thing. Yeah, yeah it's an outdoor, yeah. kind of an outdoor yeah. adventure type of camp. Seems so. to fit you well being on that board, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I love it. I that that, that place. Uh, I don't know. Not that's not really what I want to, or that's probably not what we set out to talk about. But um, it was really instrumental in shaping my life. So it's a, really a pleasure and an honor to sit on a board help kind of direct the future of it, help it to do that for more people. Yeah. It's um, it's still cold in Iowa. Mm-hmm. So we're in the still unrented apartment um, sounds, in, instead of in our cold garage. It sounds like it might be kind of the last week, though. Maybe. Might, might maybe. We, we might have to go back to the garage whether it's cold or not. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did one episode in a truck with my buddy Dan when you were gone, and that actually sounded pretty good even with the heater on low. It didn't mess things up. It's like... Who's gonna complain? Right, anyway. right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but um, I guess uh, I'm. What are you getting on the cigar? We'll ask you first. Well, I think last time we were getting a lot of that sort of cedar, sort of like a mix between that leather and cedar. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little bit of that, I think, which isn't as off-putting as maybe it used to be. I think I would normally gravitate toward a really, but it was really sweet at the on the light. So that as long as that's there, I'm happy. But still kind of sweet. 
get a little more of that cedar, which is nice today. This was great on the light too. I, I got the instant sweet, just kind of what I was expecting, what I wanted. And um, I am getting cedar. And um, let's just, it's right at the beginning. I'm not gonna push myself too hard. We'll let it, we'll let it heat. It has been, we did light it a little early like always, but, yeah. but that's enough to start. It's, that's where we are. We'll, we'll update in a few minutes. We'll, we'll get into the thick of life outside of cigars. <laughs> see what's going on. Did you, uh, did you see the president's speech or did you listen to much of it? I saw some highlights. I didn't watch the whole two hours. That's the one you're referring to, right? CPAC? Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have time or desire really to sit and watch the two hours of it. Did you hear the whole thing? I'm going to. I'm probably an hour into it. Okay. So, first impressions or whatever you heard, what are, what are your impressions? Well, my personal opinion is that this is exactly why the people like him. And I think that when Trump is around his base and is able to just kind of like just be himself in front of people who want him to be himself, that's when he kind of comes alive. And... From what I saw, it looked like that's exactly what was happening during that speech. And so that's kind of refreshing, because I don't think there's much of a filter on him. I think he's just going to say what he thinks. And and so you feel like you're getting an honest picture of what's going on inside of his head, which is nice. I like that. And I think it's an interesting arena, too, because <clears throat> uh, CPAC is... It's a group of people, and there's actually people there. It's, a, it's an organic... Mm -hmm honest meeting it's not some contrived thing or or something where i don't know where people pretend they have audiences that don't these are actually people that actually showed up yeah. and they're actually politically active and and so it's kind of cool to it's just a neat environment a neat platform yeah um and for and the thing is there i can't think of the fancy word the word for somebody when they're when they're really into themselves narcissistic um, thank you that's it um he's a bit of a narcissist sure but the thing about narcissism is if you're in your, whether you're with anybody, whether you're a narcissist or not, when you're in your zone, you're good. Whatever your zone is. Yeah. And that's one of the places where he's good, whether he's a narcissist or not. I mean, probably the longest presidential speech ever. ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think they said it was. You know, he has to Certainly like, his longest. He has to be the longest speech, the biggest crowd. He has to be all this. <laughs> but I guess you're. I didn't but he's that. comfortable in his own skin. It's like he sort of knows it, and and that doesn't make him not a narcissist, but it does make him a really good performer, a really mm -hmm. good entertainer. And if nothing else, it was entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I could pick apart a few things he talked about policy-wise that I was like, I, I don't like that. You're trying to push what you think's right, and I don't think it's right, but yeah. oh well, just keep going. You're yeah. Yeah, you're all right, and <clears throat> so it was. It was super fun, you know, and funny. Mm -hmm. So it's just, um, I mean, the the hour I've got into it, like I wasn't bored. I just didn't have time to listen yeah. to the rest of it. That's you know, I, that's a surprising <clears throat> thing. And I, the write ups that I've read were talking about how occasionally he would look at his. You know, he here's a, here's the other thing that's kind of good on like a, a per, from a person that speaks in front of people is he was gauging the audience. He wasn't just going on because he wanted to go on. He was he was going on because it was fueling things he wanted to fuel too. And so um so that that was kind of cool but uh what was where was I going with that? I don't remember. Well, you were saying he didn't just speak a long time. Cuz anybody can speak for 2 hours, but yeah, can, it's but not it, anybody. Can. See, that was the thing. The, the the audience was engaged. Like mm -hmm. that was my point, I guess. They they stayed. You said you weren't bored and you're an hour in. I think that that's probably the 
feeling of most, that, at least from the write-ups that I saw. And that is the crowd to do that with on, on one hand, you know, that's pretty much, you know, the supporters. Still, that's, if you can keep people, that group of people that interested for two hours, man, that's doing something. That's hard to do. I saw stand-up once, and I really, it was billed as a two-hour show, and I was really sure there was going to be this, you know, hour opener and a 30-minute Stand-up. You know, stand-up, it's hard to do stand-up, good stand-up. It was uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld did two hours of solid stand-up and kept us in stitches the whole time. That's the only time I think I've ever sat for a two-hour anything with one one speaker. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't know, maybe Seinfeld and the president will put their pictures up on the <laughs> Jerry wall. Seinfeld and Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Maybe that would be 2020. Friends. Maybe Pence won't run in 2020. Oh, God. Trump, Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dare to say that probably wouldn't work. Uh, I don't know. Aren't they both? Let's see. Seinfeld Jewish? Mm-hmm. That'd probably work. Ilhan Omar wouldn't like it, but anyway. Uh, I don't. I don't know that there's any anything you mentioned that we particularly need to talk about. You know, he's a little bit pro. I guess. I guess one thing that it hurts. Pro, he's really pro tariff, and he thinks tariffs are good, and m- maybe. You know, if he's just using them for pressure, and it sounded like he was, he even said this. I, th- I think he said his goal is to like to go zero zero mm-hmm. tariff. But if you have to put on tariff to get them to come down, then you do it. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not digging the tariff thing right now. Of course, with grain markets and things that I have to be concerned about, uh, it's not doing me too well. But but uh, well, if it, it does, like you said, if it's a tool, I'm yeah. okay with it. But if it's a policy in general, it's kind, of, it's kind of been proven wrong. Yeah. Um. So anyway, but it was entertaining. So you got anything? Anything else you want to say about Trump at CPAC? What do you think about this? Is I don't even. What do you think about expletive use by the president <clears throat> in general? Um. Boy, that's a, that's a great one because you, you, I'm pausing. So if I pause, then you've got me thinking. Um, I would I would link it. Your question's too simplified. Like I don't know that zero expletives is the right thing, but I don't know that free reign of using all expletives is the right thing. It's it, maybe it's my approach to to life, the way the way I handle my expletives. <clears throat> um, I have to know my audience. So you got to know your audience. And when you're the president of the United States and the leader of the entire country, and you're on video to essentially everybody, that says something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think he used expletives with meaning and significance. I'm not sure I'm against it. If I had to, if I had to tell you right now at this moment, I'd say I'm probably not against what he did. <clears throat> I think that the like from the from like I said I didn't hear the whole thing, but as a general rule, I think that it's probably good to steer away from expletives altogether. I think that uh, at least the scriptures is like as I understand them unwholesome talk. If you know that something is not the best, you probably shouldn't do it. But as far as being expedient in communicating a lot with one word. That it can I understand that it can be useful. I think probably as for the president of the United States in an arena like that where they know everybody's watching, mm-hmm. probably it's good policy to 
take the highest road you can do. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I mean I'm not, I'm st- I would still vote for him. That's not even a thing. I just, when I heard him say some of the things he said, I was like, oh, man, do you, I don't know. I just had a feeling like, ah, okay, well, I hope that doesn't turn people off. I understand what you're trying to say, totally. Yeah. But Well, and, and I guess here's the other thing, because when, you, when you're knowing your audience, he also needs to know and probably doesn't completely understand that there are some uh, Christian people <clears throat> and I don't. I don't want to make real clear. I don't think. I don't think all Christians think every cuss word right. is wrong to say anytime. Right. Just c- for clarity, for those who may not be Christians or may not understand, I don't think he understands how bad a, a pretty large portion of his base, being conservative and or conservative Christians, mm-hmm. would think that was not a good idea. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, my grandma. They might totally agree. I totally agree they, with what yes, he said. Yes, exactly. But, I mean, can we do it they, better? Yeah, can we do it better? It, they would think it's a bad idea. But, but you know, on the other hand, part of what we like about Trump is that he is a little unrefined. And sometimes when you let yourself be human, it's a good thing. And, you know. Even, I agree. <laughs> and, and, and he's still, he's still punching back mm-hmm. against establishment and really leftist people who are saying, you can't do that, you can't say that, that is not who we are. And he's saying, on the contrary, some of us are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up yours, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and I'm only halfway through the speech, and so I, and I saw a couple clips of what he said, so some of them are yet to come mm-hmm. in what I've listened to. but. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So yeah, it's it's good. I think that <clears throat> it was a good event for him. But I will say this one other thing. Maybe I don't know if you're planning on moving on, but I was searching for uh, articles or information about the speech since I didn't see it, mm-hmm. and I had to scroll through an awful lot of Google results before I found a pro-Trump piece. Uh-huh. There was just a ton of stuff about how terrible it was and how he was disconnecting from his base and about how he was showing how bad and racist or whatever he was before I found an article that was like, oh yeah, this was a great speech. That's interesting. And it fired up his base. <clears throat> well, let me, let's come back to Google in a second and the Google results because I think that might have been where you're going. I do want to say one thing that I think, because this comes back to principle. Um, my pastor for several years, probably in fact, he was probably the pastor I had for the most years in succession. My friend Brian down at Tumwa. He said, he said once that, you know, when you, when you use words in front of a large body of people, um, the word might be completely accurate, it might create the emotional response you want, but the, it can also limit your audience. Because once you say it, some people will not want you there again. And he brought up an instance of a speaker. It might have been Tony Campolo. I can't think of the details he told me, but he told me about a speaker that went to a Christian college. And the person at the Christian college said a cuss word in the context of something like there are a million people a year dying of starvation, and that's that's a damn shame or something to that effect. It might not have been damn, it might have been something else, but he used a cuss word. And, of course, everybody <gasps> gasped at his cuss word. And then his next line was, the problem here is that you're more concerned about the cuss word I just used than you are about the millions of people that are dying of starvation. So what he said was absolutely true, but they wouldn't invite him. They, they would. They won't invite him back to speak ever again. <clears throat> and so he limited himself by saying that. And he took. He took the risk. He did what he wanted to do. But it does limit you. Mm-hmm. 
and, and that's important. And that's again, it's back to know your audience. You've got to, yeah, you, know, you know, could could he have made that same impact, and then come back the next year? I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, it, it. There, yeah, there's probably a. Yeah, I don't know. The thing is that we have this ability as humans to creatively express, and like that story that you just told about that guy speaking at a church or whatever, used an art. It was art. It was art. He used an art. He he used art words as art to to make an expression to get, elicit a reaction that he was that he wanted to prove a point, and and I think that uh, that's a valuable thing. We have to understand that that's like a. That's a needed and a valuable thing that we have the ability to do. I think the question always is like, are you, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay to get one shot and to make a poignant <clears throat> point and be, and, be, and be out. And, and I don't know. Because you don't want to go around being so guarded all the time either because that really limits yourself as well sure. in a different way. Well, and on the flip side, uh, there was a friend my dad had. And the, the key here is that I was super young. I'm maybe six or seven years old and this guy was the guy and I've really probably only heard one person my entire life talk this way but the F word noun adjective adverb I mean he said it so much in a real maybe a five minute conversation that he had with my dad it was like I didn't hear anything else he said not because I was offended I was six or seven I'd heard the word my dad used it 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 didn't matter to me but it's like there's probably a better word there when you're always using what is the most offensive word and you use it ten times, it then becomes yeah. muted and it's no longer offensive, but it's also or it's still offensive, but it's no longer effective. Yeah. And and so that was just even as a kid, I realized that. Yeah. You meant that was a bad dog, not a effing dog. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, when it comes to things like that, I can I can really only think of like one instance where I would feel okay using the F word. Mm-hmm. And that would be in a case of life or death when I want to communicate. Like, for example, if somebody grabs a gun, like if I'm at a traffic stop and somebody grabs a gun and starts to pull it, I might use the F word. I might say, get on the in ground, yeah, you know, or whatever, because I want them to know <laughs> that I'm about to come unhinged and he might die right now, you yeah. know. I get it. That, but that's about the only... Uh, I don't know. I think uh, there's a, almost. I heard a commentary one time, and I, we didn't plan on talking about profanity, but I heard a commentary one time that profanity is a tool of the weak-minded. That's kind of always stuck with me, and I realized that there probably always is a better way to communicate an idea. It's, you know, maybe in rare, 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 rare circumstances, um, we resort to just kind of like a fit of words rather than actually communicating an idea. And so, I don't know. I think it's good to think about, though. Yeah, I, I do. It's, it's good to think about. It's good to talk about. I, I, you know, I, I always had issues with, you know, the church telling me that I couldn't... When I was younger, I didn't understand the principle of understand your audience. They were just trying to tell me, you're not supposed to say these words because they're bad words. Well, how do you know they're bad words? The Bible doesn't tell me they're bad. Well, they're unwholesome. Well, you're telling me they're unwholesome. The Bible's not. The Bible's telling me not to say unwholesome words. You're telling me. I don't me know if ho- your argument has a whole lot of. <laughs> well, no, no. This is a kid. This is a, this yeah, is okay. a teenager argument. Okay, gotcha. But the gotcha. fact is, you're teaching me the Bible's telling me not to be unwholesome, but you're the one defining it as unwholesome, not the Bible. So the, my logic was 
was right. The problem was I wasn't trusting the authority that was probably right, saying, generally speaking, yeah. it is unwholesome. <laughs> um, so, and because I don't trust authority, I still don't. My dad left when divorced my mom and left, and yeah. so I have authority issues, you know, didn't like some teachers, and mm-hmm. my pastor's a real jerk. No, I'm kidding, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't if think only you knew how much of a yeah. jerk you could be. <laughs> have we even, I don't think we've ever said that you're my pastor on the podcast. <clears throat> I suppose, I guess, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a reluctant pastor. <laughs> so, anyway, but, um, we are um, getting close to the update, and I, yeah. I have to admit, I'm, it's I'm, time. I'm really itching because this is exactly what I expect, because I've had it before, and it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is a cigar that I would gladly buy and, and smoke again, and I, I know I can say that up front. Um, I want to try to describe what I'm tasting, but I also want to say it's just good. It's just a good cigar. I enjoy it a lot. And I'm trying to identify the flavors, so you tell me what you're getting. I'm gonna no, you got to go first because I'm oh, trying to identify it too. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Right. It's not fair to make you I'm go first. I'm working hard to try here. Okay. Well, then it's important for me to say the other thing. It's a little... It's not a flavor bomb. Right. It's it's uh, probably medium. I don't know what it says it's supposed to be, but it's probably medium. Maybe just a tick below medium. And that's the only thing that I regret about it. I wish there was more because the flavors I'm getting are nice. The sweetness, I'm probably getting um, a bready, a bready sweetness. Um, the spice is just a hint. The spice is just right. There's a little bit of that cedar in the background. And and the sweet bread is probably one of the favorite things I like. I'm getting a little bit of that. There might even be a hint of that Nicaraguan bitter earthiness in the back of my throat. Uh, the thing I that normally I don't like out of Nicaraguans, but there's just a hint of it that making it interesting. And so um, I'm, yeah, I'm liking what I'm getting out of this. So. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> I said I was struggling to think of, of what it was, what I was tasting, but as I'm smoking this, I was almost, okay, so you know if you have like a campfire and if you burn cedar wood, it's kind of, it's pleasant, but it's a little bit annoying. I Smoke in general, wood smoke is kind of just got a little bit of annoying to me. I don't know why. But it was almost like if you could take cedar and if it had a fruit or if you could eat it or if you could, like if we were in Willy Wonka land or something and you could eat the trees. <laughs> I don't know. It was like if cedar could have a fruit or be edible in some way, it was almost like that's what I was tasting. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. That sounds kind of psychotic, doesn't it? It's all right. It's, it's our podcast, right? Yeah. What's I do your, get the bready, this sort of bready, uh, substantial flavor it's good so and and it's yeah it's i so it's i do agree though i wish there was kind of more like it's good it's super good it's really good but you kind of wish that it had dropped it like that bomb you said kind of yeah, but just wait i will say though just wait <laughs> it only gets better from here <laughs> the uh we we were having some issues last throughout the series with our with the rappers kind of being a little bit brittle and i've had a crack and it's just kind of continued to follow the Follow up the cigar, kind of cracked out here. You can kind of see it, mm-hmm. but uh, other than that, stellar. Doesn't yeah, affect the smoke. all of them have had have had a little bit of a crack, and they're they're not too dry. They're humidified, yep. right? They're they're burning with a good straight burn line, and my my humidor is um, good. Oh, we didn't say much about oil. There's a little yeah. little bit of oil on yeah, this that's, too, just just nice, just the right right amount of oil. Mm-hmm. So so that's good. Um, 
So you were going to go to your Google results, which I think was I never even <laughs> I, thought about going there. But you I had just to, wanted to make a point. You yeah. had to thumb through a whole lot before you found quite anything a few. Positive. I'd say probably <clears throat> the first positive one was at least seven to ten down the list. That's that's interesting. I haven't uh, this last week. I haven't jumped outside of my normal listening and watching. I try to get some perspectives outside of the kind of our conservative perspective, and I didn't. But I did hear one podcaster that was saying every media outlet is saying it was negative, it was bad. <laughs> he said, but it wasn't. It was. He was saying it was entertaining as well, and uh, I think it was. He was. He was on. So, but that's that's what you can expect from Google. From right? the, the funny thing is, is that we kind of trust that, or at least I think we should trust that being a computer program, a, ser- a search engine ought to give you the most popular first. Like the one that most people are reading, the one that most people are seeing. It's, I don't know why we assume that necessarily, but that's what you kind of assume. And as I looked at the outlets that were being fed to me first, it didn't look like they were more popular than, mm-hmm. than others. I feel like it was... I mean, like we hear, it, we hear all the time about how CNN's going down, down, down in readership or watch, viewers or whatever. Readership. You know... MSNBC, all these, and they're the ones that are getting fed first up. Well, here's the thing, and th- this is interesting. I hadn't thought about this before. The results, initially, I think, and I'm not a techie guy, initially, I think the search engines said, if it's the most popular, that's what we need to give you because that's what everybody's looking at. That's what you would want. I think there's been another phase, and and it's probably even gone now. The second phase might have been, wait, we don't just want the most popular. We want to read you, everything you're looking at, everything you're watching. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's cookies or something else. Mm -hmm. Read you and say, okay, these are the most popular, but you're probably going to be more likely to like like these. So they'll feed you what you like. Then they've gone beyond that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now we're not feeding you what you like. We're going to feed you what we think you should be listening (laughs) to. So there's been... I might not yeah. want to document this, you know, the, the, oh, the three phases of the, of the search engine so that's from a non-techie perspective because I really think that's how they do it. But here's the other thing. If you only go with popularity, let's say it was pure popularity, you know what the line's going to be? It's going to be large metropolitan mm-hmm. versus small town because the people in the large metropolitan areas, there's so many people there. Mm-hmm. They're going to right. initially popularize everything, so they're going to get more results. And that's going to feed yeah. the those with with less because, I mean, even gosh, is there still a are there still news channels like I think Channel Three maybe in Kirksville still exists. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I don't think Atumwa has a news station anymore. They used to. Um, like there aren't local news mm-hmm. stations here. Well, most of them are affiliated. Though. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so. true too. So, um, so there's definitely going to be. Be a split there just by population. Yep, you know, I agree. The large media outlets that are largely leftist are going to popula- populate first because they have more people that are already going to listen to them. The internet, well, they have more people that are plugged into those types of media outlets too mm-hmm. because, I mean, we have a lot of people out here in flyover country and they're getting increasingly connected with the internet and using it as an everyday tool, mm-hmm. but still not to the degree probably that... Not to the concentration uh, as they do in the cities or the campuses or places like that. So, yeah, there's a valid point there. Yeah. Well, I'd like to uh, uh, 
mention our uh, unofficial sponsor for this week. Um, I've recently gotten into brewing coffee. Uh, um, occasionally, just uh, we bought a little bitty pot, so I could brew just a couple cups or a cup for me and my wife. And two cups is about one mug. So, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had a burr grinder for a while because I heard you're, if you're going to grind your beans, a burr grinder is best. And I bought at the time a relatively inexpensive Black and Decker burr grinder at Walmart. And it's not fancy. You pour the beans in. You can adjust the grind a little, but when you, if you go from finest to thickest, there's not much difference. It's almost because it's it's cheap. Yeah. But it does the job. Mm. Now I've actually seen on Amazon ones that look similar that are now like 40, 50 bucks, and they're probably a little better. I would guess they might not be. I'd guess they're a little better. But this is just a really nice Black and Decker burger grinder. Grinds my coffee beans. Gets it to a nice drip grind. Does what I want. <laughs> And uh, so Excellent. I decided to pick that for our. What qualifies as a burr grinder versus a what? A roller grinder? I know um, in the industry blade, we use. Blade. Uh, okay. Okay. You're saying roller. You, you know some industry yeah. stuff. <clears throat> well, when I was working at the coffee roasters, we used roller grinder, and that was like everything. Everybody, it all needed to be ro- using a roller grinder. Uh, okay. It, it does something different to the bean. Sure. Um, my understanding is that it's probably ceramic. And um, it is two wheels, and I would guess your rollers are two tubes that roll. Rollers, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, these are two discs, one on top of the other, and it's not—they're not smooth discs. They have little mm-hmm. uppity parts, but they're—and so they're little bumps, and the beans get caught in the bumps, and it grinds them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that made sense on the yeah. podcast. Um, sort of a traditional grindstone. Yeah, but it's it's specifically slow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't heat up the beans. And, and and the things that I've read say that blade grinders just... The blades just spin fast. Apparently that heats up the grind and that's not good. I don't know, maybe not. But I like what I get. Yeah. Um, and it takes a while. It's not as fast. I mean, yeah. you put them in a blade grinder, it's like... You're done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it takes me maybe a minute okay. instead of a few seconds. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the interesting thing I just noticed, depending on the darker the roast, the easier it grinds. Like the lighter roast beans jump mm-hmm. out of the, it's got a lid, but it jumps in the burr grinder and it's harder to get them all to go through it, which is kind of interesting. To see mm-hmm. what so that's, that's what a burr grinder is. interesting. So, uh, Excellent. <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll have to have the coffee that I like as the next, there you as go. the next sponsor there next you week. So, um, all right. Where are we? Uh, where are we going next, Joe? Oh, I don't know. What's What's there to talk about? I didn't. We could talk about. I we can talk about Ilhan Omar a little bit. Yeah, we should. There's some stuff going on there. I think. Yeah, you You got some info there that I don't know about. Well, I was just reading Drudge this morning, and and I, the reason it caught my attention is I used to live in the uh, Longfellow neighborhood in Minneapolis. I think it was no. I lived in Seward Seward neighborhood. And just north of the Seward neighborhood is the Cedar Riverside neighborhood. And in that neighborhood, so, so basically like, I don't know, five-minute bike ride from where I used to live, um, they're having, that's where this huge concentration of Somalis are living. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently, well, I mean, even when I was living there 10 years ago, there was, it was known that it was the highest concentration of Somalians living in anywhere outside Somalia. And... You know, their their uh, presence was known at that time. Now, we've been back recently, and it's like kind of like 
starting to look like Somalia there. Whoa. And apparently there's been some some gangs, some Somalian gangs that have been actually killing each other and having shootouts and stuff. And, and this is in Omar's district. Wow. Now, our, you'll, you'll have to educate me a little bit. Yeah. So are Somalians generally Muslim? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I mean, I you've seen sure. Black Hawk Down? Yes, I have. That's Somalia. Okay, that's Somalia, that's right. Mogadishu. Um, now, now, so, <laughs> any inclination in what you read that these are Muslim-related issues, or are they just gangs fighting gangs? <clears throat> I It didn't say that concretely in the article. It mostly framed it as gang violence, and they framed it in the way much of the same way that sort of you had Irish gangs come over, Italian gangs, you know, mm -hmm. when, the, when large amounts of those types of immigrants were coming over, then you had sort of like these groups that were vying for control of those populations and stuff. And so I'm not sure. Okay. It, I, would, I would think that it might have a little bit to do with it, but I think it's mostly just about power okay. right now. Because I think if they were... Um, well, there have been some anti-Semitic things going on too, but most of the violence that I'm reading about is gang versus gang. It's okay. not like gang okay. versus synagogue or gang versus yeah. okay. something like that. But, but it's interesting. Like, what, do we, what do we do to try to control that? It's such an unassimilatable culture. And that, it talked about that in the article, too, that used to be the answer to that kind of thing was assimilation. You know, you come in and you assimilate so, there, so that you can operate within this culture. Mm -hmm. But there seems to be no bridge, because it, now it's considered to be, you know, it's a taboo to want people to assimilate. So they were, they were posing the question, you know, how are we going to even engage this, let alone solve it? Well, here's the thing, though. If you have the belief that you're allowed to unethically use your power over someone else... Well, it would be ethical in that case. If you believe that you have the ability, then... If you believe yeah. that you should... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ...force your power over someone else... Right. Um, ...then you're not assimilating to the United States value that says, no, right. we're actually not about power over the powerless. We're about freedom and... and Actually, protect, protecting the minority. Protecting them, the minority. Yeah. So that would, and I like going back to the value, and that's the thing that that's hard to see. And I, I'm I'm going to make a statement, and, and again, I hate that we apologize, like for, for the little listeners that we have. You know, I don't want to. I'm not saying. Well, we want more, so they better seems, not be too. It, yeah. <laughs> it seems like the ideals, the ideas of Islam, are a lot about power. It's a lot about force and power. Live by the sword kind right. of stuff. Yeah. And that's not saying that that's what all Muslims believe, but that does seem like the ideals of Islam. And so arguing against that would say that that's not the right way to live. Mm -hmm. I don't operate power over my wife and power over my kids. Um, I'm you know, bringing them up. I'm teaching them to be, to be better than that. Mm -hmm. and, and it's ironically, not ironically, interestingly, Isla... The oldest, the five-year-old, she is frequently using her power over Fia, the three-year-old, not so much around the one-and-a-half-year-old, but you, you see it. And I'm like, you know, we're trying to you know, develop that out of her. It's not about power. It's care. It's your sister, our family. We're taking care of each other. It's not, I want the paints right now, dang it, you know? <laughs> so... It's really interesting to me how that is the human default setting, really. I mean, 
we understand that even as little kids, as you just illustrated. And the reason that she doesn't try to exert that power over her smaller sisters is because they're not a threat. They don't try to challenge her power. Right. And and it's it's just really interesting how, um, really the kind of the Judeo-Christian worldview has a little bit of a monopoly on those ideas. Ah, yeah. And I think that when you see how central the, uh, those faiths are to the formation of our country and the liberties and the freedoms that we enjoy, you realize that not assimilating people who have contradictory value mm-hmm. systems, how dangerous that is. And I think that until we can have that conversation, when we're just defending diversity for diversity's sake, and we're not thinking of the consequences of unassimilated diversity, we're really making the bed for some pretty ugly times, I think. Well, yeah, and it's just, you know, when people throw out diversity, I'm like, oh, diversity, so we want some racists and some non-racists. Right. Is, that, is that what you're saying? Because you want <laughs> <Yeah>. diversity? No! <laughs> Diver- <laughs> That's not what we're saying. They want both and, and it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, and uh, by the way, Candace Owens is a worthwhile CPAC speech to listen to. It was it was pretty pretty intense. Kind of, I haven't followed her too closely, but I'm pretty proud of her. She's really starting to build, uh, I guess she has a show now that just launched maybe last week. She, she's just, she was on at, at CPAC. She, it was good. That was, I haven't listened to too many yet, but that's, it's one that I think is definitely going to be a standout. Um, I'm hoping that the Blexit hashtag takes root. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that goes viral. Yeah. <clears throat> because man, it's, it's been far too long that black Americans have been abused by Democrats. Yeah. Far it, too long. It is. Well, and that, that, there's another guy, uh, somebody else had him on their show. I don't remember who it was, a podcast list to the it seems like it's Brandon. It might be Brandon Struck, something, the, the walk-away movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that. I can't remember. It seems like he's like, he's like maybe a, a gay man, possibly. Yeah, he and, is. And he started he the walk-away from the yeah. from the Democratic Party. <clears throat> so that's a, that was a pretty interesting thing, too. I, I don't have a whole lot of details about him, but he's an interesting person to, to hear, him, hear him talk. Mm-hmm. He might have been at CPAC, too. I'll have to look that up and see. Wouldn't surprise me if he was, so... But, I don't know. We started talking about Omar, but oh yeah, we did. We should we should finish. I don't know. Um, I don't you were know just saying that say. she's so that this is her district and it's completely out of hand. Yeah, I mean, you can't. That doesn't necessarily can't blame her necessarily for that. But she's right. Yeah, but so. these are her people at the same time, right? I mean, Islamic, you know, immigrants so, or refugees from what I'm not sure. But. Right. So so this is related. So all these. Uh, You've heard that some, I think I'm rightfully saying leftists are wanting to tear down certain statues in certain Uh cities, statue of Robert E. Lee or statue, whatever. Um, If you've not heard about it, it's it's related to, it's historical statues that were reminding us of our history, whether you think that history is good or bad. Um, And some, I think it's either been black people or white people saying that they're standing up for black people and we should tear these statues down. So this has been going on for a while, trying to get different statues torn down, getting different pictures, like a picture of Jefferson taken out of a library, a picture of Washington, you know, the first president, take all this stuff. It's like I had this idea that that I think would work. I think maybe we should, conservatives should start a fund to build a statue of, of Ilhan Omar with her quotes. 
the anti-Semitic things that she said, build the statue and put it out in the city. <clears throat> and, and to see if anybody tears it down. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think there'd be a concern. You, know, you see the twist? It's insane. I guess she got caught again saying more stuff. I haven't. I haven't really tracked with her. What else did she say now? She's like you're talking about these quotes. Well, there's been at least three major times. I can't. I can't tell you the quote that she said anti anti-Semitic things. And the biggest thing is she gives the the non-apology apology, right? Which is which is ridiculous. And I guess this is important to say too. I I forgot. I put this in my notes and then I didn't bring them. But if let's say Ilhan Omar, let, let's say I say something that people find offensive. And my friend says, wait, wait, wait a minute. You don't understand what Doug really meant. It's not my friend's responsibility or everyone else's responsibility to understand what I meant. It's my responsibility to change my words so that I actually say what I mean. Yeah. It's, so if she's not saying what she meant, it's her responsibility to fix it. It's not her friend's responsibility to say, well, you don't understand the narrative that she's trying to convey. You're right. I don't. Tell her to fix it. <laughs> say it right next time so that we get it. Well, I think I do understand the narrative that she's trying to communicate. <laughs> I, I think I do, too. <laughs> and so... And I think it's a bad know, one. And honestly, I, um, I haven't followed it much, but it does sound like that there are some pretty big rumblings in the Democratic Party that are saying, listen, we got to get this under control. They're not actually necessarily kicking her off of any committees yet. Yeah, which they should. But there are some rumblings. Yeah, it's, what, the Foreign Relations Committee or something? Yeah. She's like one of the main people on that. That's ridiculous. Well, look at some of the Republicans that have been pu punished for not even being... Oh, yeah. Like Steve King or yeah. some of these guys. Man, you can't tell me Steve King's a racist. I won't believe you. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, and... Yeah. Or Trump. Or anybody. You can you can twist you can twist everything, take anything out of context, mm -hmm. and and the thing is, it's nowadays if I say something completely clear and somebody takes it out of context and makes a YouTube video of it, they could make me look bad, and people will not l go back and look for what's correct no. if they don't like me already. Right. Because um, because people aren't they just want fuel for their own fire. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So. We're um, um, we're due for an, another update, and I'm I'm chomping to say I might be smoking this a little slow. Um, I don't know where you are if you're ahead or behind me, but the the harder I draw on this, it, there's yeah. more flavor. Yeah, I've been I've been smoking it pretty hard, and it, it is getting better too. By the way, on this final third, it, it is it is getting sweeter and and better. Yeah, I'm getting definitely more more sweet and more nut when I warm it up a little. And if if I talk too much, then I kind of kind of mm -hmm. really you don't. Sometimes you do it too fast; it's too much. But just yeah. gently warming it up, wow! Mm -hmm. um, I'm really I like the the nut that's coming in, and, the, and that sweet bread is still there. The yeah. uh, and that that what I call that Nicaraguan dirty earth. It, just the hint of it is still there in a good way mm -hmm. in the back of my throat. I'm I'm liking. Uh, what I'm getting, performance has been good. Yeah, it has. Um, uh, yeah, it I, I'm surprised actually with this. I'm kind of down to the final third. I'm down to the point where I, I want to keep smoking it hard like that because of the sweetness, but it's getting a little close to my fingers, so I've got to kind of meter it. But Well, and when it starts to get hot on your tongue, you can only you can only yeah. draw so hard right. anyway. But um, mm -hmm. but yeah, this is tasty. I wish, I wish I'd have smoked a little, little drawn a little longer and harder in the beginning because I think I would have liked it more initially. Get a lot more of that bread. 
on the retro hail. I actually think I'm getting a little less cedar too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, as as we go, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, for the wrap, we will uh, we'll read what it's supposed to. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we get to the very end, we'll we'll read what we're supposed to be tasting. So, <laughs> but um, I I don't know. I think I hope we wrapped about Omar. I I hope somebody takes up my issue on the statue and actually puts a statue up of her and. <laughs> and her that quotes. would be kind of funny. Yeah. I, I certainly hope, and I'm optimistic that some of these will be one-term uh, representatives. Some of these people, AOC and Omar, and oh man, Cortez is just she's a gift from heaven. <sighs> she she cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder about I wonder about Pelosi too. I mean, oh, on, on one hand, as, as much as I dislike what Pelosi stands for. On one hand, I wonder, because she's been there so long, I, I have to say, gosh, she's got to have some political prowess, maybe, that, that I don't know about. And maybe she's just given, her, given them enough rope to hang themselves. You have to wonder. Because yeah. if, if she's not an anti-Semite, I have no reason to think she is. If she really thinks the Green Deal isn't that great of a deal... <laughs> Just let them go. Give them the power. Give them. Give them some room. Give them some room, and the people will kick them out. Just as she won't have to. Right. And so she looks like the good guy. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I wonder how how old is she? How old is Pelosi? She's got to be getting kind of to the end of her career. Isn't she? She's yeah. I think she's at over seventy. I'm pretty sure. Someone was someone was talking about how old she is. I mean, there's there's been at least she's been at at least thirty years. Yeah. In politics. Which I mean, you could go a while. How old is Chuck Grassley? Mm. He's he's one of the old ones too. There's yeah, he's like he's gonna be ninety before his before he's done with this term, isn't he? I think you're right. He, that might wonder has there been anybody that old? Here's the, here's the thing: the older I get, you know, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, what are all these old guys doing? You know, running the country. But then as I got older, I'm like, gosh, I don't know that I. I don't want my 35-year-old self running the country. Yeah. You know? Um, For sure. Because my 35-year-old self, I don't like my 35-year-old self, but I wonder if I'm, when I'm 60 if, or 70 if I'm going to not like my 55-year-old you self, you know? Um, yeah, so it's like, maybe it's okay that these old guys are doing their thing, you yeah. know? I, Speaking of old... Yeah, go ahead. No, you... Any Speaking of old guys, anything on Bernie we need to know about? Breadline Bernie? Yeah. Did you oh, get, I don't know. Did you hear what he said about the, uh, was it Breadlines or? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. The Breadline thing where he said people are standing in standing in line for bread. It's like, well, yeah, Breadlines aren't a bad thing. Breadlines are a good thing. At least at least you have bread in the other countries. People just die of starvation. Oh, my gosh. It's like, <laughs> no. That, how many, who's died of starvation in the United States? Maybe, maybe there's been a, some, have, some people. But it's not because of lack of people who starve in this country have chosen other things over food. I think. Yeah, and I, you know, I guess it's our podcast. We can go here. I've, and this is personal experience. Um, my wife, when we were working with some of the uh, teen moms through Youth for Christ, she was actually talking with some of them about the government benefits they get for food. And it's like a, I think now it's like a card you mm-hmm. get and you run it through, but there's all this food on there. And it's like, well, why aren't you getting 
the lentils. Why aren't you get? Why aren't you getting these things? Like, I don't like lentils. So you can't fix the problem. I mean, unless someone's really starving, mm-hmm. you can't fix the problem by giving them stuff. Because if they want Cheeto puff balls, they're going to buy Cheeto puff balls, mm-hmm. and that's what they're going to eat, and that's what they're going to feed their kids. And you can give them rice and lentils. You can even give them something better than that. But if they don't, I mean, you can give one person a steak or five people lentils. Mm-hmm. You give five people lentils and they don't like it. They want Cheetos puff balls. If they had a choice between a steak and Cheetos puff balls, they might take the steak. But it's like you can't fix the human problem just by giving people stuff. It's not, it's not that easy. And... Gosh. So you see, you saw some of these moms just not feeding their kids well, not because they couldn't get food. They had free food they weren't buying because they didn't like it. Yeah. it's And it's amazing. So you have that as, like, part of the human condition, and then you have these people that claim that they can solve it with just a simple redistribution. When they don't, they don't believe it at all. I mean, Bernie has three houses. Why? Shouldn't he give that well, two of those away to somebody who don't, somebody who doesn't have a house? I mean, I wonder. I was I was flying this weekend, like I said, and I was and I, I looked at first as I walked through first class, back to my seat in the back. <laughs> yeah, I wondered how how many times, you know, Cortez or any of these Bernie or whatever. I wonder if they've ever flown first class, because they should be against that too, right? I mean, why should some people have more privileges or more comfort or more space just because they have more money? Well, okay, but let me answer that because I think I can. I think they there's there's an attitude of I'm not I don't think I can use the right Russian words proletariat is the normal people anyway the, I'm going to use the word elitists the elitists that think they know how everything should be run they think that they're Sincerely. so important they're so important right. they can't drive twelve hours they have to fly two so they have to have that so that they can run things, they can get where they need to go and get things done because they're the important people that know how things are supposed to be run. And the people in Oskaloosa, Iowa, the farmers and stuff, we're they not, just need we're to not smart. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys all just need to, you know, yeah. um, just get by because, and we'll, we'll take care of running things and telling you how you should live. You know, and, and I really do think, and they may not admit it, they may not admit it, but I do think at their core, they kind of believe it. Oh, my! what I'm doing is so important. I have to do that. It's, a, it's an elitist, I'm better, I'm better than you attitude. It's true. And oh. the only way to equalize that is to just say, let everyone be free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think we should do the Green New Deal, start your nonprofit, raise the money, and go promote it to people. You know, Don't force it by government. I haven't heard. Is that actually like, what's the status of that bill? I don't know. I was hoping once his name was going to force a force a vote, just so that we could see who would vote against him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know McConnell. McConnell. I don't think. I don't Mitch. think they forced the, Yeah, I don't. Cocaine Mitch. I don't think they. I don't think they pushed the vote yet. So. <sighs> I don't know why they don't. I know they should because I mean, gosh, there's so many times, and that's the political thing. I, I don't understand the politics. It's like. Sometimes you just need to vote so you can see where your representative stands. Absolutely. My representative didn't vote against it. <laughs> By golly, they're not going to be in next time. I wonder if some of the high-level Democrats are discouraging that. Maybe. So they don't have to go on the record? <laughs> Maybe. Should we... We don't have very long. 
let, let's let's try to talk about this in a couple minutes here, maybe a minute. There's some been some measles outbreaks, mm-hmm. and I just I just want to this is this is what I want to give some kudos to Rand Paul, who actually thinks vaccines are probably more effective than they are not, but he says that it shouldn't vaccination shouldn't be compelled by government, which I believe. And whether you're against vaccines or for vaccines, people shouldn't be forced to do that. And I want to just give kudos to him and give you an opportunity if you wanted to say anything about that. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, the vaccine, I think vaccine science is good. I think what's been done behind closed doors and in secret with vaccines, tainting them and corrupting their usefulness is not good. I think that's what's led to this problem that we have. But I, I think the reason we're hearing about measles and mumps and things like that being outbreaks isn't because good American people aren't vaccinating their kids. It's because we're importing it by not following our laws at the border. And that's where these outbreaks are. And the, the answer is not to... It's just like gun laws. Don't punish good people by putting further restrictions on them. How about we actually look at the people that are breaking the law and causing the problem to begin with? And so that's... I mean, that's where I stand on these outbreaks. But, um, yeah, I think that... We well, talked about systems last time, and I think the systems have systems really screwed broke. everything. Yeah, systems broke. We, we might want to revisit that, and there's because it, it reminds me of some other things in my brain might want to talk about. Why don't you uh, look up what we're supposed to be tasting in this cigar, and uh, we'll have you read that while I, while I say I really like how it changed, and it probably changed because I started drawing faster. So keep this one warm when you're smoking yeah. it because you get more of that sweet, bready, and it's just better. So don't smoke it fast, but keep it, keep it a little warm. And we've been right at about, let's see, when did we light this? Um, it's been just about an hour smoke. Yeah, yeah. Right at an hour. So, and I and I I pulled on mine pretty pretty hard. Now I'm okay. getting kind of down to the end of it. But anyway, um, okay. So, just to recap, burn slow, true, distinguishing out a cool or dishing out a cool, extremely smooth flavor with each puff. Expect subtle notes of cedar, nuts, earth, and spices. Oh, so yeah. we were kind of on. Yeah, kind of. I actually think it might be getting a little more cedar here towards mm-hmm. the end. So, I did really like the. Last week, what was the one we had last? The Sumatra was that last week? I think so. Yeah, uh, I liked the floral. Out of yeah, that. I kind of would like a little bit more of that in this one, yeah. but certainly, uh, right on 